<laughs> All right, good morning, everyone. You guys are in a good mood this morning. Did you notice that? A lot different than Friday night. <laughs> this is wonderful. Well, I mean, the Oilers won, hey? Did you guys catch that last night? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that, seriously, I could hardly sleep. I was so giddy. Um, but you know what else it is, is that we have actually been, been spending intentional time with Jesus. And this is, this is what is called the fruit of the Spirit, the result of being with Him. And I was just thinking, like, I, I can't wait. Every single morning, um, our family gets up, and we go to the front room, and we listen to worship, and we, we just re read the Word, and we pray. Like, what's happening right now in your heart isn't just for, like, this yearly conference. This is every day of your life. Do you see what I'm talking about? I encourage you, go home tonight, or when we're done here, and just download some of the songs from this. Find out who the artists are, and get into a space where you can worship in your home. Like, he, he invites us to abide with him. And the root word for abide is this word abode, which means home. He wants to have home with you. Isn't that cool? He wants to make your home his home, his abode. Isn't that cool? Like, this isn't just for this weekend. This is our life. We get this. I'm so, oh, I can't even put it into words. Let's, um, let's pray and ask the Spirit to fill us and to give us um, understanding for this text that we're going to be getting into. There... What happens in this story is incredible. It's from the book of Acts. I also encourage you to think about some of the, the texts that we've gone through and then go home and open your Bibles to those. The book of Acts, by the way, A-C-T-S is how it's spelled. It's called the Acts of the Apostles. It's what followers of Jesus do. It's how it looks to be a Christian. Go home and start to read the book of Acts. Oh my goodness, it's so good. Anyways, let me pray. Jesus... You're so good. I believe that you've given each one of us a fresh glimpse of how wonderful and awesome you are, of your heart, that you're for us, you're not against us. You're actually for us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Um, well, in Kelowna, there's these guys that, um, that will be at, like, you just stop at a red light, and then people who might be living in homelessness will come, and, and they'll walk up and down the median and, and try to get money. Sometimes they'll try to wash your window. And one time, there was this, um, this guy, and he was in the median, and I rolled down my window, and I started to talk to him, and he had, like, crazy face tattoos, and I was telling him about what we do downtown. I said, come downtown. We'd love to, to support you. Um, and he said, thank you. He said, I just got out of jail. Um, and he was in there for some serious stuff. And he was explaining all of the crimes that he did. And uh, he said, but I'm getting better. He said, I'm, I'm gotten into yoga and I'm meditating. And, I'm, and then the, the light turns green. And I'm like, okay, hopefully see you later. And we drive away. And my son, he says to me, man, that guy was a really bad guy, hey? And I was like, I was like, why do you say that? I'm thinking the face tattoos, maybe like with the, like the knife tattoo or the fact that he's done time for serious crimes. He says, he does yoga. <laughs> what a bad dude. Of all the things that he could have pointed out about this guy, it was the yoga. I just thought that was so funny. You see, here, here's the reality of, of where we're sitting in life is that, is that we know that we're chosen by God. 
When Peter received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, remember what he proclaimed? He said that young men will dream dreams. There'll be visions. There'll be signs and wonders. And he said this, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anyone. Any person. And we talked about the fact that we're created in the image of God. Before God even created the world, he knew you. He knit you. But the reality is, is that he also knit people in my life that I don't like. And they're also created in the image of God. And I so often look at them and I just say, what about that behavior or that belief system? And I turn them into somebody who's not a part of my team, you know? We talked about when the bleeding woman touched the cloak of Jesus and she was instantly healed and Jesus turned around and what did he say? Do you remember what he said? Daughter. He said, daughter. You're my daughter now. You don't really realize in that story that Jesus was on his way to go somewhere else and she interrupted. This man named Jeru showed up to Jesus and said, my daughter is dying. She's dying. Come quick, come quick. And so Jesus is going with Jeru and the bleeding woman touches him and interrupts it. It takes some time. He's so present with her, but then word comes that the girl had died. And Jeru, the dad, would have just been bawling his eyes out and just like, no, like he, he just heard his daughter died. What a moment. And Jesus says, well, let's go. Come on, let's go. And he goes over to where the girl is. And this is so beautiful. He tells everyone to leave the room, but a couple of them. And this little girl, Jesus has never met. And there she is laying dead. Jesus kneels down. He takes her hand, and this is what he says. He says, Talitha Kumi. <laughs> it means little lamb. It's the, the version um, in that time of the word sweetheart. <laughs> he says, sweetheart. <sighs> this, is how he, this is how he looks at people. He says, sweetheart, get up, and she... She comes back to life. He, he looks at you and he says, my sweetheart or my son, I love you. And this is how he looks at, this is how he looks at humanity. Jesus interrupts a funeral. There is this widow and her son is dead and, and they're carrying him through the streets, a dead kid on this mat. And Jesus looked at her and the apostle Luke says that, he had compassion on her. And then he went and he, he said, son, like, get up. He touched him. He said, get up. And the boy gets up and everybody is terrified at the power of Jesus. Because he's so powerful. Remember the hand that stretches the universe. That's him. But at the same time, he has compassion on her. It's a strange Greek word that's hard to understand. This is what it is. It's splanchizomai. It means, <laughs> okay, stick with me, okay? It means from the womb. <laughs> Jesus didn't have a womb. He wasn't a woman. But what it means is that he loves her as though she's his own daughter. Or sorry, he's his own son. It's saying, I am your father. I love you as though you are my own. And this kid, this was in this town 
that they didn't worship Jesus. They didn't recognize him as the Messiah. These people were not coming and being like, oh, we love you, Jesus. Come and heal him. Jesus found him. Jesus goes out and finds people. And now the question for all of us is like, yeah, now like we know Jesus loves us. Now we've been like, so many of you received Christ yesterday. So many of you said, I'm in. But what are you in for? Is it just a belief system? It's not. The word Christian wasn't even used for several centuries. It was followers of the way. Deciding to follow Jesus means that you're deciding to follow a way. It's a way of living. It's not just a belief. It's an action. It's a way. And it's a family. So not only are you on a different way now, but you're a part of a family. And I don't know if you're involved in a youth group or a church, but this is the most critical piece is every day being with Jesus, but also like just constantly being a part of this new family and loving each other and never excluding each other. But this is a way. And the way of Jesus is, is different. You guys are, are entering into a world that is really divided and hurt. There's so much division. And how do we live? There was a protest in Kelowna. Um, that was it, was, it was completely out of control. We walked by. We were going to go skating downtown and we had to leave. Another time there was a Remembrance Day event and there was all these veterans and they were doing a Remembrance Day thing and all these um, protesters showed up and they set up their microphones and their speakers and they started to just protest their specific view. And, and there was fighting. There was actually veterans with walkers like rushing the stage. They're like, how dare you speak over us on this day? My wife works up at UBC. Um, it's our university. And there was a pro-life um, protest. And then what happened was the pro-choice guys showed up and they all have these giant cardboard like signs. And they started hitting each other with these signs. She calls me and my wife is, she's just so upset. She's like, why does everyone hate each other so much? You, you might have noticed it in your families. You might have noticed it at school. Coming out of the pandemic is, is way harder, I think, than going into it. Because now we have all these really divided ideas. And so as a Christian, how in the world do we live the way of Jesus is really different. It's actually, I believe that you guys are the hope of the whole world. I think that the church in the past has added to division, and I think that right now God is saying, I want the church to be the deliverer of peace and unity. I want my children to be the ones to usher in unprecedented unity. Do you guys want that? I want to use my kids. I want to use my kids to reveal the beauty in other people that they don't necessarily agree with. I was invited to go to Africa, and um, there was this little village that our conference sponsored. It's this little village called Garbatula, and, um, and I didn't know what to expect. I knew that we were going to go to church, and I thought, I get to go to an African church, a real African church. And we show up, we're in these like land cruisers. We show up and, and this guy opens my door and he's standing there with a big grin. His name is Reverend Garicha. I'll never forget this man. This man is a hero to me. He has never seen another white guy in his life. 
He's never seen another pastor in his life. He, he just like takes my hand and, ah! and, then, and then he's like, come with me, come with me. And so I'm walking beside him and he reaches out and takes my hand. You know, like the first date? He's like, oh my goodness, here I am walking with the dude. Um, and then he's like, I made this path. He took rocks and painted them white and he lined a path for me and him to walk down. Oh, my wife is behind me laughing and taking pictures of the whole thing. And here I am walking down the garden path with this reverend, and we walk right into his church. And he opens the door for me, and here it is. The church, I'm just dying to see it. And there's about 10 people, and none of them look up. They're all sitting in a circle, staring at their feet. And we walk in, and I notice that there's two girls, and they're crying. There's one guy with no arms. I was not expecting this. The next thing we know, there's the sound of like wailing horns. In this village, it's, it's, it's mostly Muslim, except for this small group of Christians. And all of a sudden, hundreds or thousands of people come out and surround the church. And they're looking into the windows. There's a face in every square inch of every window just staring at us. And I thought to myself, this is how I die. This is, it's over. Reverend Garicha starts to tell us what's going on. He found a Bible and he read it as a Muslim man. And he heard about Jesus and he could not even imagine a God loving him. He was blown away at Jesus and gave his life to Jesus. He went home and told his family. The whole family accepted Jesus. He told his best friend. He received Jesus. These other people in the church, but something happened. There were some extremists, and they came and they burned down his house, and they, and they killed his whole family. His five kids and his wife never saw them again. His best friend, they cut off his arms. That was the man sitting there. And these, these people were in misery. The girls said, it is better to be dead than to be a Christian in Garbatula. But yet I said, well, why in the world? What's going on? Why are all these people around here? Like, what's going on here? And Reverend Garicha said, they're reading our lips. They want to know about Jesus so bad they just, they're dying to know. Because here's what happened. Is that there was a really bad drought in Garbatula. And people were dying. Except Reverend Garicha's well kept producing. And his crops didn't fail. So guess what he did? He brought his crops and food and his water into the church. And he opened the doors. And he fed the whole village. He saved the kids of the people that killed his. Do you get that? He saved them all. These are his enemies. He saved them. My wife, she's bawling her eyes out, and she says, like, how could you do that? Why, how did you make that decision? And this is what he said. He said, the call of Jesus is the call to love our enemies. Now that you're a follower of Jesus, this is what it's about. 
Listen to what Jesus said. He said, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. By the way, this is the way of Canada. Hate your enemy. Exclude them. Put them down. Talk down to them. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Oh, this is the way of Jesus. When you follow Jesus, this is the way. I am a lover of my enemies. I'm a lover of every single soul on planet Earth. Paul goes even further. He says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. You're thinking, you're think, probably thinking someone heap burning coals on my head. That's where my hair went. It's a joke. And you're thinking, this sounds mean. Like, if we're supposed to love people, why would we want to feed them just to burn their heads, to torture them? This is not what Paul meant. This was a really well-known um, metaphor at the time. Burning coals was something that they used a lot. And this was a term for purifying or burning away the hate, getting rid of it. In Isaiah 6, an angel took a coal and put it on Isaiah's lips, and it cleansed his speech. It was no longer hate. It was love. This is what burning coals is all about. William Clausen is this old theologian, and I love the way that he explains it. He said, in the Egyptian literature and in the Proverbs, coals of fire is a dynamic symbol of change, a change of mind that takes place as a result of a deed of love. This is to be the hallmark of the, the church. Jesus said, remember what we talked about on Saturday morning, that they will know you're my followers by your great love for each other. This is how they will know. This is what a Christian looks like. It's not their stance on all of these issues. It's not what their bumper sticker says. It's not how they vote. It's how they love. It's how they love. As we left Reverend Garicha, we flew over the plains where we just were. And I was looking down, and it was just completely barren. It was just so dry. And there's a little pamphlet in the seat, and I read it. And it told the story of a mother who had to leave Somalia because of there was a civil war and a drought. And, and she had six kids, and she had to make a decision what she was going to do. And so she decided she would walk across this desert that we're flying over and looking down on. She had to, she had to walk it. It would take 21 days with six kids. And so she sold everything, and she, she left for the journey. She had to leave her husband back because he was still fighting in the Civil War. Within the first day, her youngest died of dehydration. And she had to make a decision. Like, what? she's got a baby that's dead. And so she had to bury him and move on. It's agonizing. By the time she showed up to Dadaab, she lost four children. And then she heard word that her husband had died in the fighting. And so she is just a devastated woman. The guy that was there with me from World Vision, he's, he, he was reading it too, and he was just he, tears in his eyes. And he said, you know what the saddest thing about this is? He said, after 9-11, he said, the American churches stopped giving to World Vision projects in any Muslim countries. 
He said, there used to be a lot of money from the church going into Somalia, and it's all gone. Because instead of returning the hate that happened to 9-11, we, we repaid it with evil. Jesus said, do not repay evil with evil, but evil with good. This woman should never have been put in this situation. So think of, of, of somebody that you disagree with. A people group. An ideology. A political movement. A belief system. To be a follower of Jesus, we're to love them. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave us our mission, and it was so clear. See, the Barna Group did a study with university students and said, if you could ask God one question, what would that one question be? And by far and away, this was it. It was, why am I alive? What is my purpose? Jesus, before he ascended into heaven, said this, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That word there, nations, is, is the Greek word ethne, which means people groups or belief systems. He's saying everybody, I want everybody to know about this. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. But his, the method shocked the disciples. See, right before he was crucified, they had this supper together. And Jesus did the unthinkable. He put on a robe. And he went and got a basin of water. And he knelt at Peter's feet. Now you have to understand that at that time they had different servants. And they, were, they had different classes of servants. The highest class servants might be things like doctors. The lowest class, the very low of the low of the low, were the foot washers. And when people would come into your home, these people would come and wash your feet and not say a word. They were the lowest. And Jesus starts to wash Peter's feet, and Peter's like, never, never can you wash my feet, ever. And then Jesus said, if I can't wash your feet, then you can have nothing to do with me. So Peter said, yeah, do this. He washed all the disciples' feet and he said to the disciples, now go and do the same. This is what he said to them. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and to be the servant of all. In other words, we come to our society with this, we get low, we get humble. Paul said, in humility, consider others better than yourself. When I'm mad at somebody for their views, I'm not considering them better, I'm considering them stupid for thinking them. He says, look not only to your own interests, but to the interest of others. Imagine, we talked about if Jesus was the guest speaker, and we had one question, what would we ask him? What would he answer? What does a Christian look like? And he said that they'll know you're my followers by your great love. Imagine if I said, guess what? We also have the Apostle Paul. Give it up, the Apostle Paul. And he comes running out here. He would be the most hideous man you have ever seen. It would take him 10 minutes to get from that spot to this spot. He was crippled beyond belief and absolutely deformed. 
You would shudder. Some of you would cry. He was flogged five times. If you've seen the Passion of the Christ, you know that this is, it's 40 lashings minus one. It's this cat of nine tails. It's designed to grab skin and pull it off. It like grabs ligaments, like bone, everything. To be flogged once permanently disabled you. This happened to him five times. He was stoned. They, the reason why they stoned people was to kill him. They would throw rocks at your head, like orbital bone, broken nose, teeth, everything broken, legs, limbs. He was shipwrecked three times. He was beaten with rods. Like, this guy is messed up. He's so messed up. And one time, they do it to him again. He casts a demon girl, I mean, a demon out of a girl in Philippi. And they brought him to the authorities and they said, he did it again. So they had him publicly flogged, but this time scripture says that he was, he was flogged severely, which means they were not just going for the back, they were going for everywhere. He was a mess. Him and Silas were flogged and they put them into prison. Listen to this. This is Luke recording it in Acts 16. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. Like they're barely alive. They are bleeding all over the floor. But the most miraculous thing happens. They're laying there and they're worshiping. And they're praying. And every single prisoner is fixated on them. They can't look away. They're listening to every word, everything that they're saying. Normally they would go to bed around eight or nine o'clock as the sun goes down. The lights would stay off. But this day, they were still listening to them at midnight. And then there was a mighty earthquake. This place just shook like crazy. All the doors pop open in the whole place. All of their chains fall off, and everybody's free. All the prisoners in the whole place are free. Just imagine it. You've been tortured, and now I'm free. Yes. The jailer wakes up. He sees what's happened. He can't get everyone back in. He takes his sword. He's going to kill himself, because if... Prisoners get out, then they'll be publicly killed, and it's a shame for the family. He was going to take the shame away and take his own life. But not one single prisoner left. Not one. Paul and Silas stayed right where they were. He could be free. That jailer could kill himself. This jailer's his enemy. This is a Roman guard who's been beating him. This guy believes the opposite of everything he believes. He could be free and this guy could be dead and woo, the American dream. But here's what happened. Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. You notice he spoke for every single prisoner. He had so much authority that every prisoner listened to him. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He then leads them to his home. They tell his whole family about Jesus. The whole family comes to faith. On that jail cell in Philippi, Paul had the very heart of God. 
he had freedom he could have had, but he put this guy first. He considered him better. He looked to his interest before his own. This is what Paul says to the Philippians who knew this story so well. He says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. This is the whole point of life. Fruitful labor, serving people, elevating people. He lived for one cause. Listen to this. He explained this to the Ephesians. This is why we're alive. We're cre- we are God's handiwork. Remember that? We're knit. Our name is written on his hand. We're his handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, when you give your life to Jesus, this is what you're giving your life for. You're now on following the way. What did they call Jesus? Do you guys know his nickname? Abba, that's, yeah, that's very true. Actually, there's a lot of nicknames. Maybe I shouldn't ask because there would be just a thousand. A dominant one was this, the friend of sinners. What a nickname. What a nickname. If I am not a friend of sinners, then I am not following Jesus. It's so interesting. There was a guy named Gregory Boyle, and he started this thing in Los Angeles called Homeboy Industries. And there was a lot of guys getting out of gang life, and they had big, gross tattoos on their faces that said horrible things, so they couldn't get jobs. And so he started a tattoo removal service. And then he realized that there was lots of people that needed counseling and everything else, and so he just started to help people coming out of gangs. But they found this one little kid. He was 11 years old, and they found him in a dumpster. When he was nine, his mom, who was really mentally unwell, left him. And for the next two years, he just, he just lived in dumpsters and ate the garbage for two full years. So they brought him in, and, um, and they introduced him to a counselor. And the counselor gave him crackers. And he started bawling. He couldn't believe that somebody thought of him when he wasn't around. He'd never received affection before. Gregory said that, that the counselor just held him for the entire weekend. We get to actually be Jesus for people. You see, we're told not to judge people. And I'll tell you why that's amazing. It's because we don't get to for the first thing, but secondly, we don't have to. We don't have to sort out if they're good or bad, if they're worthy or unworthy. We don't have to. We don't have to sort out if they're wrong or right. All we have to do is love them. Isn't that the most freeing thing in the world? We always think that by loving certain people or groups or belief systems that we're, that we're saying, yeah, like we're, we're with you. We, we condone your sin or your life, but we're not. Jesus said, just love people. Be a friend of sinners. That's who I am. This guy named Zach came up to me after church one day and he says, can you please pray for me? I'm going in for bone marrow surgery tomorrow. And I was like, oh my goodness. He said, I heard it's the most painful surgery on earth. They're, they're drilling three or four holes in his hip and they're going to take bone marrow out of these holes in his hip. He said, I need prayer. And I said, Zach, I didn't know you had a disease. What's wrong? He goes, oh, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm just donating it. And I'm like, to who? He says, I don't know. 
Somebody needs it. And this is one way that I can serve somebody. And then he said this, and I'll bet they'll want to meet me. And then I can pray for them. <laughs> and I'm like, this guy knows exactly why he's alive. You are living representation of the king of kings. He says that when you go and represent him, that he'll be with you. So many followers of Jesus feel distant from him because they're not actually representing him. They're representing their own thoughts and feelings and perspectives, but they're not just loving like he said. Do you, see, do you guys see what I'm saying? What an invitation. Spend your life just blessing and loving. Imagine this at school tomorrow. I told you guys about my friend who punched me because he was excluded. Imagine if you guys started to look around to people that were being excluded and you included. This is the way of Jesus. I, I know some kids who started this thing called the Awesome Foundation. <laughs> this foundation is they, they take what they've earned from their jobs or their allowance and they pool it. It's, it's a couple hundred dollars a month. And then they think of an awesome way to spend it at school. So they'll find a kid who maybe has had bad shoes for a long time. Maybe somebody who apparently just needs love. And they'll just bless, bless, bless. They'll find kids that can't afford to go to camp. Or they'll just like go buy pizza and just find kids that are excluded. The Awesome Foundation. Don't you guys think that like there's a better way of life than just consuming and getting your own? There is. Jesus said that if you want to find life, you must lose it, give it away, become a servant to all. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus. And finally, probably as we've been talking, you're thinking, I do have some people that I don't like, that I actually hate. And that technically is your enemy. And you can't just suddenly decide, you know what, I'm just going to love them. You can't do it. A human brain can't do it. We're not good enough. But we're told to pray for our enemies. And when we pray, we invite the power of God to come in and it changes our hearts. You can't pray for somebody and simultaneously hate them. Try it. There was this girl who came to camp and on Monday she came to me and she said, I hate my mom so much, I just hate her. If she died this week, I'd be happy. And I'm like, whoa. I hate her. And I said, well, what if we both prayed for her every night at bed? You pray and I'll pray and let's see what happens. Friday morning came and I said, how's it going? And she said, it's the weirdest thing. She said, I can't wait to see her. I actually love her now. That doesn't always happen, but it did that time. If we start to pray for our enemies, bless those who hurt us, repay evil for good, our life changes. So we're going to be entering a world right now that's really divided, a world that feels really unheard and is really hurt. And as the children of God, we are the hope for this city. We're the hope for Alberta. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? We're actually the hope. We get to live for more than just, just weekend spiritual highs. We get to live for way more. Let me pray for us as we go. Jesus, what great love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God. <laughs> God.
God, I think of that leper that ran to you and you reached out and you touched him. A man who felt like he was a nobody, God. A man that was excluded by everyone in the whole world except for you. I pray that your very heart for humanity would go with each one of us, God. God, that we'd be a walking representation of the mercy of the almighty God who is rich in mercy. That every morning, your mercy is new for us. God, give each one of us a passion to, to love. God, I pray that as we pray for our enemies, God, that hate would just fall to the ground like those chains. God, I pray that our schools would look really different tomorrow. God, I pray that our places of work would look different tomorrow, that our homes would look different. That our families and extended families, God, as we look at everybody as precious children of the almighty God, Father, go with us. You're too good to even imagine. Jesus, we love you. Amen.